What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Hey folks, hope you had a most excellent weekend on Friday's After Party Podcast with me and Kimberly Johnson. We answered your questions and revealed some information we probably shouldn't be discussing out loud. If you want to find out what that is, go to bobseskashow.com and sign up to hear the after party while supporting our completely independent podcast for just 10 bucks a month. Not only do you get lots of outrageous conversation about sex, drugs, politics, and rock and roll, but you also get the post-mortem shows for no extra charge as well as access to our community blog where you can post your own articles. So go right now to bobseskashow.com or patreon.com slash bobseskashow and subscribe. Thank you in advance. And now, let the cartoons begin. Broadcasting from Resistance Headquarters, relentlessly fighting back against the clown dictator and his regime of deplorables. Never give up, never surrender. This is the Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. I like how you call homosexuality an abomination. I don't say homosexuality is an abomination, Mr. President. The Bible does. Yes, it does. Leviticus. 18.22. Chapter and verse. I wanted to ask you a couple of questions while I had you here. I'm interested in selling my youngest daughter into slavery, as sanctioned in Exodus 21-7. She's a Georgetown sophomore, speaks fluent Italian, always cleared the table when it was her turn. What would a good price for her be? While thinking about that, can I ask another? My chief of staff, Leo McGarry, insists on working on the Sabbath. Exodus 35-2 clearly says he should be put to death. Am I morally obligated to kill him myself, or is it okay to call the police? Here's one that's really important, because we've got a lot of sports fans in this town. Touching the skin of a dead pig makes one unclean. Leviticus 11.7. If they promise to wear gloves, can the Washington Redskins still play football? Can Notre Dame? Can West Point? Can I burn my mother in a small family gathering for wearing garments made from two different threads? Think about those questions, would you? One last thing. Well, you may be mistaking this for your monthly meeting of the ignorant, tight-ass club. In this building, when the president stands, nobody sits. Bob Seska! You only drink when someone else says hi, Bob. Hi, Bob. The Bob Seska Show! Well, show open dedicated to uh, our great vice president, Mike Pence. Suck it, Mike. From our nation's capital, it is Tuesday, June 11, 2019, and this is the Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. It is the greatest soap ever. Hi, how are you? My name is Bob. What's up? Hello, Bob. Hi. Day 873 of the Trump crisis, day 35 of the constitutional crisis, 510 days until the 2020 presidential election, and clapping along with the theme song, slightly out of time because of the delay. <laughs> yes. My friend Buzz Burbank. Hi, Buzz. Hi, Bob. Hi, everybody. It's great to be here. Uh, sorry about my enthusiasm about the music. I really love that. I really love that uh, clip. That's my favorite clip from The West Wing. That, they and, nailed uh, it. They nailed it. Even though Aaron Sorkin semi-plagiarized that, but oh, man, it's great. Oh, wait, wait, it's wait, great. wait. Where did he semi-plagiarize that from? I, I don't know the uh, story. You know, I, I don't have the sourcing in front of me now, but I, I've, I've seen uh, what I believe is substantial evidence that he actually got that from somebody else. I, I think he may have even uh, admitted later that, yeah, I uh, adapted that from, from something else. Oh, uh, see, now uh, you're destroying I, I me. You're, you're destroying well, my will to live, Buzz. It, it, you know what? But it doesn't, it doesn't matter. <laughs> okay. It doesn't matter because if it's, if it's worth saying, it's worth repeating. Gotcha. I, I, I okay. really believe that. I mean, it's not like uh, somebody else wrote the whole series, The West Wing. Just that, <laughs> just that one scene was inspired by 
something someone else had written. Right, so, okay. Uh, that's okay. That's actually a compliment, in my opinion, a way of, of including uh, what... What, what Sorkin thought was a wonderful approach to to that particular mindset. That's right. It was, it was just a great a great scene, and and I, now I'm going to have to look this up. I'm going to have to find the source material for this now. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. No, I I, I, I revere <laughs> Aaron Sorkin as much as you do. Yeah. Uh, but but that one little scene there, which is my favorite, I think, from the series, mm-hmm. uh, mainly because of the attitude that Martin Sheen conveyed in performing that scene as yeah. well as well as the words themselves but it bears repeating so you, you could ca- you could kind of say that president bartlett went on fox news channel right there that's that's yeah, exactly bit, that's bit, what you can get bit. away with on fox news that's what you can do <laughs> the influence that you can have on fox news channel okay well, i know I'm, in the- I'm i'm excited because i've landed a new job as tourism director for the dominican republic <laughs> It's going to be so easy. Is it too soon for that? <laughs> at least I'm not. At least I'm not having a Handmaid's Tale viewing party. So I'm relieved. It, There's that. Relieved. That's the case. <laughs> Actually, I'm celebrating the job that I do have because this week marks my uh, my sixth year of Buzz Burbank News and Comment. Oh, hey, as, as a freestanding six, show. Six yeah. years. Outstanding. Boy are, boy, are my arms tired. <laughs> right. So so yesterday yesterday Bob. <laughs> what happened yesterday, Buzz? Well, I'm glad you asked because House Democrats uh, heard uh, testimony from Nixon's White House counsel, John Dean, yes. and I'm not sure, but today I think it's somebody from the Warren G. Harding administration. <laughs> so I'm looking forward. Uh, everything old is new again. It's almost like Hollywood rebooting everything, right? It was a reboot. Yeah, exactly. Well, you got to say this for the Democrats. They're not impeaching the president, but they're not not impeaching the president. That's so true. So credit, there's something beneficial there. I'm not sure if that yeah. was a joke, but I'll take it as one anyway. I, I'm not sure either. No one really is. and doesn't matter. I, okay. I don't have a lot of time anyway. I just ate a chili dog. So let's get oh. started. All right. Good. Oh, my God, Buzz Burbank. Um, okay, where do we start today? Uh, you know, yeah, exactly. uh, I guess we should start with the Judiciary Committee here. Oh, you know what? Uh, fuck that. I'm not starting with the Judiciary Committee just yet. No? Be- oh, because I have uh-huh. to say a huge congratulations to yes. my queen, my biggest influence, Stephanie Miller. She was nominated for the Radio Hall of Fame, which is just gigantic. Yeah. So... Nominated for the Radio Hall of Fame in the spoken word category. I'm not sure. I guess that's talk. That's what we do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it could be, any, be anything, but yes, yeah. anything, any spoken word. It's, it's an old-timey way to refer to it as spoken word, but it is just as valid. Stephanie Miller's been nominated. What you have to do now is you have to go to my Facebook page, or actually, you know what? I'm going to put a link in the description. Go to that link, vote for Stephanie Miller, vote early and often, as many times as you can, come up with aliases, scam the whole... No, I'm kidding. Don't get. Don't bring Russians into this or just don't do anything silly. Go there, vote once if you have to. If you want to vote a second time, you can do that too. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, congratulations to Stephanie. Very, very well-deserved. Yeah, absolutely. Extraordinarily well-deserved. I, I, I could sit here and I could spend the, the next hour and a half, Buzz, doing nothing but uh, praising Stephanie Miller and yeah. the kind of radio she's doing. I can't say this enough. She was able to combine morning radio and political talk in a way that had more progressive talk show hosts adopted that same approach there would actually be more progressives on the radio right now. I mean, it's, I to agree. me, that's the secret to delivering this kind of information. The key to it is to keep it entertaining. And while I may be failing on that mo- <laughs> that standard right here and now, uh, but the fact of the matter is that uh, you have to combine those things. You have to make it interesting. You have to make it funny. You have to keep it uh, uh, moving, keep everything going uh, at, at a nice uh, steady pace on the show and so on. And you have to make progressive talk interesting instead of just, I mean, we've got all the facts. We know that. We've got the truth on our side. You just have to make that truth entertaining and because you know you want people to listen and so if it's not entertaining exactly That's people tend we, yeah, to I was talking to, yeah we talking about that last week in fact yeah. right right well people tend to not listen if you're not entertaining so exactly uh, well she's always been entertaining i i first met stephanie miller uh in 1980 something wow uh, when i was actually a part of her show for one week 
Oh my God! Uh, now, oh yeah, you have to tell me this story. What was the uh, well, what were the circumstances I, behind this? I, I had just been fired by CBS the, for the first time. Oh, they fun. would rehire. They would rehire me later. Bastards! Uh, well, you knew they would. <laughs> uh, I knew they'd be back, but but, but they, they they fired me uh, the first time, and so I'm out of work, uh, flopping around in Chicago. Yeah. And uh, the the regular news guy on the Stephanie Miller uh, album rock station morning show. <laughs> Uh, that she was doing at the time. Yeah. Uh, it was uh, she and some guy I don't remember. Her I remember. The other guy, I'm sorry. <laughs> not not so much. It but, wasn't but, Chris Lavoy, by the way. It was pre, I think this was pre-Chris Lavoy. I think Chris Lavoy was nine years old at that time. <laughs> she was very she was she was very talented and I was very excited to be yeah. there. And it was a weird circumstance because the guy who normally did the news on her show was on vacation mm. for a week. And uh, he he was good, yeah. Uh, but but I got in there and I guess you know kind of wowed some people, and that made everyone uncomfortable, including myself. <laughs> and 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 so because now it looks like I'm stealing this guy's job when I knew going in, you know, it was for a week, and 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 so. Out of this thing called, I don't know, loyalty, uh, they 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 let the guy come back from vacation and sent me packing. Oh, uh, but shit. but I thoroughly enjoyed my one week on what was, I guess, that incarnation of the Stephanie Miller show. Yeah, yeah. Well, obviously, whenever you fill in for someone on the radio, you're always hoping you got your fingers crossed. Well, if I'm really good, they're just going to give me the permanent spot on the show, and that's always no, the, would, the mindset. I would, At least- I would, I would never, I would never think a thing like that, Bob. <laughs> I know you're such a nice guy, um, but no, I, I mean, again, that kind of underscores telling that story underscores mm-hmm. how, how long a shadow uh, Stephanie Miller casts in terms of broadcasting where she knows yeah, everything yeah. there is. I mean, she could do all kinds of different radio and right. this is just happens to be the kind of radio that she enjoys most and that she's the best at. But that experience doing AOR radio in Chicago is what made her the talk show host that she is now. And that's, I think you could apply that to you. You can apply that to a lot of people who are doing a talk or news right now. And to have that, we're all old. That's the common thread. (laughs) Everyone's old and everyone has experience doing crappy, (laughs) crappy music radio, uh, including me, where I was stretch Cunningham (laughs) for a period of time, sadly enough. And that whipped the enthusiasm right out of me. And I ran screaming for the internet. That's that is everything's full circle. So, okay. Next thing. This, this is yes. a, this is a, once again semi related to radio. Uh, the Republican members of the House Judiciary Committee yesterday went full yes. G. Gordon Liddy, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, they did. Did, uh, did you watch the hearings with uh, I, I, John I, Dean I, and Barbara McQuaid? I, and I didn't. I had stuff to do, and uh, I you know I saw the first I saw the first uh, show in the seventies. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, no. I, I I've certainly read the summaries of it, and I'm aware of the litany. I actually saw a nice list of all the. Uh, it was sort of insulting things that Republicans yeah. uh, said in the course of their side of the questioning yesterday. Right, right. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, I'm I'm aware of, of what they did, and I'm aware of, of the mentions of G. Gordon Liddy, and, and uh, so, you know, that, that certainly opens the door for us again, doesn't it? Well, what they were doing is uh, Jim Jordan and all the rest of the, uh-huh. the Republicans yeah. were acting like G. Gordon Liddy. I mean, they were going full Liddy when it came to criticizing John Dean. I mean, again, once yeah, again, yeah. everything old is new again. I mean, they were just recycling all the crap that G. Gordon Liddy, that we heard firsthand buzz, G. Gordon Liddy saying about John yes. Dean for years yes. and years and years on the radio, and then going hey, back to John the, Dean. Yeah, John Dean, a traitor. He's a traitor, filthy traitor. Rat. What did he used to call? He used to call uh, John Dean a rat. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, John Dean yeah, is a rat. Because because John Dean ratted out the, the Nixon administration, ratted out the, the break-in and all of that. Yeah, and of course, Trump was doing the same thing yesterday, too, trying to discredit John Dean for... And I always love when jo- when Donald Trump accuses someone else of being a, a corrupt liar. <laughs> it's, it's hilarious, yeah. the irony of those statements. But again, it was the same old crap. John Dean is a rat. I mean, Donald Trump may have well just called him a rat. I mean, you know, I I wish if Donald Trump was going to go full G. Gordon Liddy, I wish he would have burned his own hand. I mean, that would have made things extra appropriate. At least we would have had some fun watching that. Uh, He he, he got his holding it over a toaster. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Holding it over a really hot Arby's roast beef sandwich. 
That's as, about as far as Donald Trump goes. Ah, oh, this roast beef sandwich. Ah, oh, so hot and stingy. I wish they wouldn't make them so hot. Ow, ow, I keep trying to touch it, but it ah, burns me. <sighs> or so, so big. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. So the Republicans, of course, be clown themselves. They were unable to refute the Mueller report or any of the panelists' remarks. So Jim Jordan and the others merely acted like Trump's Twitter feed is is kind well, of what they were doing yesterday. If if we're going to give this a fair review, and yeah. and you know, uh, bless their hearts, like I, I I've concluded the the Democrats were just trying to do something yesterday, right? Uh, because they're still awaiting cooperation. They're still awaiting votes. Uh, we're expecting a vote uh, that will authorize uh, the Judiciary Committee to uh, to go to court uh, and and to get permission to see uh, the grand jury testimony uh, mm-hmm. from the Mueller investigation that's been sealed. So, but uh, this stuff takes a little time, and so in the meantime, they they've got to do something, and they do want to educate the public, and so they're they're the Democrats are putting on a show to educate the public and and to buy a little time and to get the ball rolling, make it appear they're doing something. Yeah. And 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 I guess they ultimately are. We're going to see more action when the intelligence committee on Wednesday uh tomorrow uh when they when they start looking at the counterintelligence aspects of the oh, Mueller report yeah, I can't in, wait. in a in a public hearing in mm-hmm. a public hearing so uh, you know there's there's some movement there but congress can only do so much while it waits for things to happen and they are doing things through the courts uh but but it was a, sort of a, a weak start in my opinion uh, John Dean uh, doesn't isn't going to sell any tickets at the box office. It just isn't. <laughs> That's it just, right. It's not going to. I'm not going to cast him in my movie because he's not going to sell any tickets. I'm, yeah. I'm sorry, uh, but uh, so in and like we were just saying a moment ago uh, to and last week to convey important information to people, you you have to present it in a way that. Uh, explains to them why it's important to them mm-hmm. uh, in a way that gets their attention and keeps their attention because it is very important to them. And and so, you know, I, I mean, this is just the, the sort of the path that they're following here. It, it was it was sort of a weak start. The testimony were from MSNBC commentators who also happened to be a very smart former federal prosecutors. Yeah. But again, it was just kind of a little show that didn't carry any drama. It didn't sell any tickets. It So I'm not sure that it accomplished its mission. So a certain amount of criticism of of what went on yesterday is is warranted, I think. Uh, while I'm saying at the same time, while I'm defending the Democrats, also saying that well, at least they're doing something and they're setting these hearings into motion. Well, one of the things I think it accomplished yesterday was just setting the stage. I think what we saw yesterday were the coming attractions, the trailer before the movie. Uh, yeah. Basically, yeah. the the point being, let's, let's get some professional analysis over some broad stroke aspects of the Mueller report and see if we can educate the public in terms of what what constitutes a crime, what yeah. may not constitute a crime. Let's have some analysis. We can't get Mueller in because Mueller's at Rehoboth Beach or something uh, drinking Mai Tais. Who knows what Robert Mueller himself is doing, but, but, but if there was nobody, if there was nobody there to hear it, did it make a sound? Yeah, that's true. But I think it's that's more in terms. Concern. I think it's overall for the people who are following along, and certainly the people who follow along, just in terms of well, seeing the clips on the news. I think it, it did serve a purpose in so far as. Uh, while it may not have been a gigantic blockbuster hearing with all kinds of revelations and stirring right. moments, it I again I just I think it set the stage. I think it, it it's kind of like they're creating a a seven layer dip. And this was Maybe the first a, layer, and it may how not, about this by itself? Address, it's boring, yeah. but if you add the other six layers, it's getting uh, Are we still here? Maybe a dress rehearsal. Think of it as maybe a dress rehearsal. Uh, yeah, you yeah. know, uh, for for the show that's to come, things could get hopping as soon as tomorrow in that intelligence committee hearing. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, it, it and they had to start somewhere. Uh, ab- absolutely, they had to start somewhere, and part of this is in response to the impeachment crowd. Uh, remember me saying a couple of months ago or so that uh, even if we don't call it an impeachment, uh, we can still have an impeachment, a series of impeachment hearings. Yeah. Uh, then ultimately, it may not matter what we call it if it leads to the same end. Mm-hmm. So maybe this is the start of that, and and maybe it will get a lot more interesting uh, in the court battles uh, today that are underway and uh, in the Intelligence Committee hearing tomorrow. Yeah, and I think, too, we can't underestimate the value of just repeating the findings of the Mueller report. And, and again, right. you know, oh, right. I, I, I kind of, 
I see where you're going with your analysis of this first meeting. I, I agree that it wasn't this pulse-pounding event with all kinds of revelations, but at the same time, I, I feel like the more often these items from the Mueller report get repeated in a public setting, the more Agreed. opportunity there is to convince people. I, I go back to that uh, one of those town halls with Justin Amash where he you know, fielded a question from someone who said, but I had no idea there was anything negative in the Mueller report. I mean, based on what right. Bill Barr right. said, everything seems fine. And Donald Trump was exonerated fully. No obstruction, right. no right. collusion. Right. And, and yeah. And, and so in that regard, it did work. And so right now what we're doing is uh, is is creating a counter narrative to Bill Barr's narrative. And, and again, I wish Robert Mueller would step up a little more and i yeah and i'm trying to be as kind and understanding as i can about that because i know the quality of robert Mueller. but the fact of the matter is yeah yeah yeah, obviously there is copious misinformation out there in terms of what the Mueller report discovered what it didn't discover what it concluded and what it didn't conclude and and for for other people to go into congress and say yes well here's what the you know this analysis was this was obstruction that wasn't this was this wasn't that's fine but you need robert Mueller himself in there to add gravitas to it because robert Mueller was chosen for a very specific oh, reason that is his I reputation agree. as a prosecutor See, his reputation yeah uh robert Mueller sells movie tickets robert right. Mueller will get will get him into the theater uh now they will hear you i agree about needing to repeat uh, the Mueller report and uh, parts thereof as often as possible but um, it won't really help unless someone hears it. And if you bring Robert Mueller in, it will. Uh, I've been reading some interesting stuff about him, theories about why he didn't do more or say more. Uh, one of the best arguments, and I'll expound on this in my show on Thursday, uh, is that he wanted the thing to see, he wanted the, Mueller's report to see the light of day. Uh, and he knew that if he did certain things with it, uh, there were uh, rules and nuances within the Justice Department that would uh, allow William Barr to keep it as the confidential memo that a special counsel's report is supposed to be yeah. so uh so that's that's one side of it that that uh, he robert Mueller didn't make an accusation and didn't charge a crime because technically those were out of his purview and he's a technical guy yeah and he knew that by sticking to the technicalities uh he'd be able to get the report past uh, william barr and into the hands of Congress and the American people. So he may have done a smart thing by backing away from that. At the same time, I've heard it reasonably argued that um, this is an occasion, especially when you're out propagandized by the president, this is an occasion for which it uh, may very well be justified to step outside of convention, uh, to to break the rules a little bit or bend the rules a little bit uh, to, to counterweight uh, the misinterpretation uh, that's been cemented in the public by William Barr. You know, one of the things I heard uh, yesterday, because I was in and out of the hearing, I didn't watch it continuously. I had a, right. a, I had a, believe it or not, I had lunch with my dad yesterday, so it was right smack in the middle of the entire proceeding. <laughs> yeah, so it, I missed a good two hours of it. The way it always goes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then it, when I got home, I got home in time to see Barbara McQuaid. Uh, fielding uh-huh. some questions about obstruction of justice. Yeah. And and it was a fascinating uh, yes. back and forth at one point because she was really underscoring how um, insisting how Donald Trump's insistence that Don McGahn write a letter to be released to the public that says Donald Trump never asked him to fire, never asked Don McGahn to fire Robert Mueller was violated its own separate statute from obstruction of justice. It was like a, a document falsification, uh, like a presidential records falsification, I think mm-hmm. uh, that was the way she was describing it. And uh, that Robert Mueller decided to approach that particular instance uh, just through the prism of obstruction of justice. But if he wanted to also charge some sort of document falsification along with that, he could have. So, mm-hmm. I, again, there was an example of perhaps Robert Mueller pulling his punches here or or taking a very narrow approach to Rod Rosenstein's original mandate for the special counsel's again, office in that investigation. I, yeah, I think the theory is he took that narrower approach uh, according to a, a law professor I respect, uh, he took this approach to, uh, to 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 allow the report to be made public to get it to get it by. Yeah. And he felt anything more than that would have jeopardized us ever seeing it. We we still wouldn't have seen it today if it had contained if it had contained prosecutorial recommendations. Yeah. Then at that point, 
a special counsel's report becomes a confidential Department of Justice memo. Hmm. Interesting. Automatic. And so it doesn't have to see the light of day. Yeah. Uh, so between uh, uh, William Barr realizing the public pressure and uh, Mueller's carefulness in staying within those very tight DOJ guidelines, the report got through. It got to us. So I guess we can be thankful for that. But as I said, uh, as far as Mueller speaking, it's that's outside of convention, unlike what he's done prior. Uh, and he doesn't go outside of convention, and th- so that's going to be a tough nut to crack. Yeah. Uh, but, but you know, so but if ever there was an occasion for going outside of convention, if there was ever a calling to do that, this is it. This is that moment. It seems, and again, I don't want to go down the road of sounding perpetually discouraged by the whole thing, but I feel like there's so much more to be discovered here that should have been yes. discovered by a special counsel and not by members of Congress, where you have this patina of politics and partisanship layered on top of the, these investigations, where it's just disappointing and upsetting and frustrating to me that we didn't have a special counsel who was uh, you know, examining the counterintelligence uh, investigation who was following the money trail and so on. And I know some of these things were handed off, uh, and that's fine, too. Apparently, the counterintelligence investigation was handed back to the FBI by Robert Mueller to say, well, I'm not going to look at this. This isn't part of my mandate, so here, take this stuff back and continue on your own. Um, I, I feel like Donald Trump is in that place once again where we all know the crimes, we all know Mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. laundry list of terrible things that he's done, impeachable offenses on down the line, uh, uh, prosecutable offenses in there too. And yet, once again, Donald Trump walking between the raindrops, just not getting a single spot of water on his entire, you know, orange melon. You know what I mean? Like Eddie, like Eddie Haskell. That's right. right. June June Cleaver knew (laughs) that that Eddie Haskell was a no good creep. She knew it. She (laughs) knew it. She knew it uh, to the very center of her bones. Yeah. Uh, June Cleaver knew that Eddie Haskell was a creep, uh, but she could never prove it. Yeah. Because he... He he put on that act. He put on that performance, and yeah, that's the that's the kind of lie. And, and he got away with it. And that's yeah. uh, that's your Donald Trump right there, only uh, about three hundred pounds heavier. Right, right. It's just it, there's a Forrest Gump aspect to this too, because he's not <laughs> oh, yeah. a he's not yeah. a smart man, and yet somehow he's been able to just stumble into these scenarios where he's able to circumvent some yeah. of the smartest and most reputable people in Washington D.C. He's been able to sidestep ramp. <laughs> Ramifications coming down from, uh, you know, whether it's Robert Mueller or, in, to a certain respect, uh, members of Congress as well. And again, there is no grand strategy here. There is no tr- three-layer <laughs> chess that he's playing. This is no, just Donald no. Trump going, dip, 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 dip. I wonder what this Holly- button does, you know. Hollywood calls this a fish-out-of-water comedy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he just, you know, suddenly Donald Trump, you know, just finds himself shaking hands with Nixon or, you know, playing ping pong in China or something. (laughs) One of these things does not belong here. (laughs) That's right, that's right. So, uh, lots more to talk about here on the show today. I want to get into uh, these remarks uh, the other day by Joe Biden with regard to the Republicans, which was sort Mm -hmm. of strange. Uh, Some more Trump things here, as well as... uh, Oh, man, this deal with Mexico being a gigantic lie. And then kind of a question that I want to open up, uh, not only for you, Buzz, but also uh, for our commenters, because, Uh you know, again, talk about Donald Trump walking between the raindrops here. I get a feeling that Donald Trump is doing something um, that hasn't been quite considered yet, or if it has, we haven't heard anything about it, by investigators, whether it's the Southern District of New York, which is where I think the jurisdiction would be for something like I want to talk about here coming up. But uh-huh. regardless, Howard Feynman raised a point that I've made on a few occasions too, and it has to do with Donald Trump and the stock market. And it doesn't have to do with Donald Trump oh, yeah. influencing the stock market to do better, it's is Donald Trump manipulating the stock market for his own financial gain. Mm. 
Yeah, wow. sure. <laughs> serious, serious question. And again, I'll I'll save you the time. I'm going to say yes. <laughs> well, then, fuck it. We don't need to talk about it. I do want to hear this. Yes. <laughs> yeah, well, we, well, we'll talk about it here in just a second back after these words. Hey, this is Jody Hamilton, host of the podcast From the Bunker. If you enjoyed this episode, you'll love my show where every week Sean Barton, David Shockett, and I discuss politics, sports, pop culture, that show on HBO that I don't watch. Find it at sexyliberal.com and on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and everywhere else you get your podcasts. The Bob Seska Show. This is another song by Gin, Chocolate, and Bottle Rockets covering the Eurythmic Sweet Dreams. Love this. Huh? This is so great. Of course, this is a second song from uh, Gin Chocolate and Bottle Rocks that we played here on the show. Uh, this is Jen Farley, uh, wife of uh, Mike Farley Band's Mike Farley. Uh, and, you know, they sent me, Jen and Mike Far- Farley sent me uh, some chocolate from, uh, let me see here, where's this, where's this from? MailMeChocolates.com. Uh-huh. And this is extremely delicious chocolate. I mean, it's it's maybe not Sherry's Berries deliciousness, but it is. Oh dear! It is quite delicious. That is absolutely we'll have, true. We'll um, have to have a taste off. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping next time, in addition to the chocolate, they send me some gin and bottle rockets because those are even more fun than chocolate. <laughs> what can I say? Bottle uh, rockets may not be sent through the U.S. mail. <laughs> it's almost Fourth of July too. I could have used some bottle rockets. I worked at a radio station once. Uh, it was out on the edge of town. And there was a, a farmhouse next door yeah. that had, every year they did a fireworks stand. Mm. They sold fireworks. And one year, foolishly, by everyone involved, uh, we got into a bottle rocket war. Now, <laughs> Those always turn out higher. well. <laughs> well, the stakes are much higher for them because they have, uh, they're in a tent full of fireworks. Yeah, so, I would say so. You know. Things could have gone horribly wrong. Likewise, we're at a radio station made of uh, tin and glass and electricity. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, things could have gone crazy there, too. <laughs> oh, my oh, God. The stuff, the stuff we do when we're kids. Yeah. Buzz Burbank was a uh, very <laughs> short-term member of the Jackass crew where they're just. <laughs> I, I was. No, I. You, here's the truth. Here's the actual truth. I was the guy who always said, you guys were going to get in trouble. Ah! Of course you were. That was of, me. Of course you were. Oh, I my was God. The fun one. Yeah. Well, maybe you can uh, pass along that advice to uh, Joe Biden and his campaign because, <laughs> you know, here we are once again. Uh, everyone uh, who supports Joe Biden has to go, well, what he meant to say was dot, dot, dot. And here we are okay. again where Joe Biden apparently thinks that the Republicans are going to behave once Trump is out of office. And uh, it's funny that Joe Biden se- doesn't seem to remember the Obama years. He doesn't remember the uh, relentless well, demagoguing uh, of Reverend Ryder, Bill Ayers. He doesn't remember tan this, suits or arugula. Or how, how did this manifest itself? What did he do that indicates he d- does thinks that Republicans will behave? Well, he was. Uh, let's see. Joe Biden told a room of donors and lobbyists on Monday because he's not campaigning. He's only raising money, which is again. Oh, you know, you want to give me heart palpitations? Tell me that Joe Biden is kind of sleepwalking his way through this campaign. And, and you know, I'll be uh, in line for the defibrillator paddles at some point here. But uh, he was uh, talking to donors and lobbyists and he said this. Mm-hmm. Here's the deal. We all know, and I don't think this is hyperbole. We all know in our gut this election is the most important election we've ever engaged in. And not just because I'm running, he said. Eight years of Donald Trump will fundamentally change uh, who we are in profound ways. He said, with Trump gone, you're going to begin to see things change because these folks, he's referring to the Republicans, these folks know better. They know this isn't what they're supposed to be doing. You know, fact check. I mean, far be it for me to fact check the former vice president. Fact check. They don't know better. (laughs) <laughs> these folks don't know well better. they do but they don't care yeah um yeah i think in, i think i know what he means but but and there i sound like that guy saying here's what he meant but but but, 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 but please, i gotcha i got please oh, please it. proceed well i mean again this is just uh <laughs> yeah i mean i understand what he's doing he's trying to appeal to the middle he's trying to appeal to disaffected republicans too and that's you know okay fine i get it but to 
present absolute fiction like that, or, or if he actually believes what he's saying, to approach yet another presidential administration wow. going, well, those Republicans, once I actually get into office, they're going to be nice and they're going to talk to me and we're going to work on deals and we're going to get things done. Well, that's not going to happen because, I mean, we saw the last time Joe Biden was in the White House with Barack Obama, of course, and there were, you know, accusations of czars and liberal fascism, whatever that means. Right. And he, you know, he doesn't seem to remember the witch doctor photos or accusations that Obama pals around with terrorists. You know, the, the ongoing... Uh, oh yeah, but we, we we've had that into my memory ever since Clinton, and yeah. you know uh, you're always going to have a Newt Gingrich and a, and a Mitch McConnell. Uh, those guys are always going to be around. The question is, are they going to be in power? And uh, that's one of the things the 2020 election can determine. Uh, the Democrats have a tough uh, road to hoe yeah. uh, in terms of winning the Senate, but it's possible. It can be done, especially if we get a turnout, which is one of the reasons we got to keep uh, voters motivated no matter which candidate they support. I, I I still think it's, I think we're, I think there are too many people on Tinder hooks uh, waiting for Joe Biden to screw up. And that may well be inevitable. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, a perceived track record of that. Uh, but, but I, I think there's almost an eagerness to see him fail, which surprises me. He is, at the moment, and uh, this far out, <clears throat> this is frequently not how things turn out at all. Uh, but but at the moment, he's the front runner. Uh, I, I, this is and this is the we you and I talked about this last week that America is attracted to him in the polls uh, because of the normalcy yeah. that that he he represents. So uh, I, you know we can get into the whole thing with the Hyde Amendment and all that, but uh, I, I think I think he's. You know, I, I don't know that he's done anything horribly wrong yet, except for some of the, you know, some of the awkward personal uh, interactions that he's had. Uh, I, I haven't seen him screw up on policy. Yet. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I just speaking for myself, and certainly I'm sure there are people out there who do want him to fail. But the fact of the matter is, is if he is going to be the nominee, there's no one who I want to uh, have succeed right. more than than Joe Biden. My problem is that I don't get the sense that his head might be in this, but I don't think his body is in this. I don't think mm. Joe Biden is in this to fight, to be energetic, to inspire people to turn out to vote. I mean, we've seen election after election. Democratic voters need to be inspired. They need to be fluffed. They need to be jazzed right. up in order to turn out in numbers large enough to overcome all of the systemic hurdles that we have to jump, whether it's voter suppression. Now, now we've got foreign governments involved in our elections, interfering with them and hacking and, and conducting these social media campaigns. And I feel like you need to bring the fire and fury. <laughs> you need to, well, sorry to use that term, but you, you need to bring the energy. And I, I think Joe Biden is in this as, you know, one last once around. Here we go again, guys. I'm going to give it a good shot now. And <laughs> I don't have to campaign I, I early on. Saying, I just yeah. have to raise money. And I well, feel like you can't sleep sleepwalk through a campaign in which it's early. these are well it's, it is early but but these yeah, are the stakes yeah. and these are, i mean you see what the rest of the field is doing and everyone is campaigning except for joe yeah, biden but at this point it's a marathon not a sprint yeah. and 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 i'm considering his age also and i'm also considering the fact that not yelling is part of the normalcy that he brings to the table yeah uh, so there may be some straight the trick is finding that happy medium between the enthusiasm and the yelling. Now, yeah. I, uh, let me say this. Uh, back in January, I believe it was a Monmouth poll uh, that that said that uh, 56, 57 percent of, of Democrats uh, were uh, interested in in beating Trump, that they, they wanted somebody. Uh, here's what the poll question was. They wanted somebody who would go after Trump. Yeah. And uh, I think let's I'm going to withhold judgment on Biden's level of enthusiasm for another oh, 24, 48 hours, because within that period of time, Biden will give a speech in which he will go after uh, Trump hard and wide. Uh, and uh, because and, and I think to some degree he's capitalizing on that poll taken earlier this year that said that's what Democratic voters are looking for in a candidate. Uh, that also, I think, is why he changed his stance on the Hyde Amendment, yeah. uh, you know. Uh, and and it, from a religious standpoint, from his own personal religious standpoint and his, his background, he was reluctant to do that. And uh, 
supported it for ever so long. Uh, but now, and, and the reality has changed, frankly, between then and now. Uh, and and uh, so, you know, I, I think I see a guy responding to what the people want and giving them what they want, maybe just in smaller doses and not burning himself and not uh, overexposing himself. That's yeah. maybe another way of looking at everything that's going on. I'm just, look, Biden's not my first choice. I like him. He's not my first choice for president. And there are some really strong, interesting contenders out there who are coming on strong and yeah. may very well overtake him. And and if that happens, fantastic. That's great. You yeah. know, I'm, again, whoever the nominee is. Uh, but but I just I'm not I don't want to I don't want to throw shade on any candidate. Yeah. At, yeah. At this point yet and to the extent that I can. At some point I'm going to have to because somebody's going to do something so incredibly stupid and awful <laughs> that it'll have to be called out. But it hasn't happened yeah. yet, in my opinion. Well, there's something that's comforting in seeing the polling right now showing that uh, Joe Biden defeats Donald Trump in places like Texas, Michigan, yes. Pennsylvania. I mean, the polling is extraordinarily favorable and and quite tempting with Joe Biden. I mean, I get that. Right. As someone who is terrified by mm -hmm. uh, what's going to happen at the beginning of November next year, um, right. seeing these poll numbers right now is quite enticing. Like, uh, well, this, I, I sure. get it. I, I get why He's not people the only like one. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, the, the Democratic establishment is seeing the, uh, and I'm not saying that in a, in a pejorative sense. I mean, the, no, the, I the fact is there is an establishment Democratic Party yes. and and they're seeing these poll numbers and they're going, yeah, you know what? Maybe Joe's the guy and, and maybe we need to go with a safe bet. Maybe we go with the counterintuitive candidate, yeah. you know? Yeah. And that is, uh, seems to be the conventional wisdom right now in the Democratic party my problem is is that it may falsely boost a candidate who can't really sustain into a hardcore primary battle followed by a wow. hardcore general election battle uh, against again systemic hurdles as well as this trump machine and so um, my concern is that Joe Biden doesn't have the energy and staying power as some of the other top tier candidates do. And so therefore he's being set up for a colossal crash and burn because I don't Possibly. think, I don't Possibly. think his head is in this. I don't mm, think I, he's um, got the same level. I don't think he, under, at least he's not projecting the think, same level of urgency he, and stakes that we're seeing. I, I think he will. I want to, I want to hear this speech on Trump. And I want to see how he performs in the first debate, which yeah. is com coming up in just what three weeks or something. Yeah, something um, like that. Yeah. You know, so uh, you know, let's. I'm I'm gonna withhold judgment on some of these things until then. Yeah. Uh, because uh, I, you know, let's let's see what kind of energy we see in the debate. Let's see, uh, you know, how how he takes on Trump, which is clearly what a lot of voters want. Uh, some of that has shifted. Some of that. Some of the Democratic priorities have shifted a little bit more toward uh, abortion and other issues, but uh, removing Trump and fighting Trump and, uh, and that sort of thing are uh, was the Democrats' number one preference and concern uh, as of January. I, I seriously hesitate to even start to talk about the Democratic primaries, but yeah. again, when mm -hmm. situations like this come up, where you know there's a red flag like Joe Biden blowing off, ha having to deal with uh, the Republicans and and especially the Senate side, uh, it, it just it's alarming because I, I well this is. Is he thinking clearly? Is this is he seeing the the same Republican Party that we're all witnessing, who are so willing yeah. to sell their souls to put their necks on the line? In some cases, in a legal sense, where they could have been subject of investigation, and they might still be because of their loyalty to this uh, Mad King in the White House. And so, well, yeah. I mean, to give those people such a, a a wide berth, to give them such the benefit of the doubt here, is uh, either well, some. Either he's doing it deliberately to reach out or he just doesn't understand the political climate anymore. Many, many Republicans flipped in Watergate uh, from against to in favor of impeachment. As yeah. Some will hear, uh, some will come around, some will, uh, was the expression, find Jesus uh, and, and, yeah. and come around here. Uh, some, some will, uh, some won't, uh, and just as we've seen uh, before. And uh, this is all subject to change based on what comes out. Yeah. I don't think there's a downside to pitching the idea of unity at this point, especially considering the votes Biden or, or any Democratic presidential candidate uh, needs to go after. Yeah. Um, you know, so th there's a possibility of some 
turn around on the Democratic side. But it's just, it's like I said, it's just so early. Well, uh, interesting things happening in the stock market right now, uh, by really? the way. Yeah. Uh, earlier today, uh, Trump tweeted, uh, good day in the stock market. People have no idea the tremendous potential of our country has for growth. He says in all uh-huh. caps, and many uh-huh. other things. And then the Dow Jones was, uh, last time I checked, in the negative territory. <laughs> so, whoops. Oh, yeah, sorry, dude. Sorry, Biff. Um, not that I'm rooting for it to be in negative territory, no, but, no. you know, when it is, uh, and it contradicts something that Donald Trump has said or to have been trying to take credit for, uh, fine, I, I, I'm okay with that. Um, but nevertheless, I mean, Howard Feynman, as I said before the break, brought up this interesting point. And I think I've mentioned this a few times on the show and and maybe even in uh, article form. But uh, Howard Feynman tweeted, my Twitter feed is asking a legitimate question. Are Donald Trump's business and family profiting from insider knowledge of his pending market-moving tweets, comments, and bargaining stands? My guess would be yes. The real questions (laughs) are, yeah, (laughs) who is doing it for him and how? And the answer to this question, as you said, obviously, yes. And obviously, we have no hard evidence for it either, but it makes complete sense. Donald Trump knows the uh, loopholes he's able to waltz through. He's at least knowledgeable enough for that. And he knows that he hasn't, uh, you know, uh, what uh, divested from his businesses. He has no right, right. separation whatsoever between um, his presidency and his family business and his family fortune and so well, on and so it's, on. it's good to have something to fall back on. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, one of the questions I have is whether or not Donald Trump will deliberately allow or maybe is uh, intentionally doing these uh, these tariff wars and these threats of new tariffs and everything, knowing that whenever he does, the stock market takes a shit. And then my question from there is... Buy low. Yeah, yeah right. Well, it's even... It's even more notorious than that. It's not necessarily like, okay, I'm going to drive the stock market down and then I'm going to buy and then drive it back up again and then drive it down again and basically play the market like that. I think what Donald Trump might be doing is because of his trade war, I think whenever he issues another one of these tweets, one of these threats that sends the stock market in a downward spiral, I think he's either shorting either a, a sector or he's shorting the entire uh, DJIA, or if not the S&P or the, uh, the NASDAQ. I think he's basically, what shorting is, is basically where you take, uh, you place bets on the failure of right. the stock market. You borrow money. It's a whole complicated uh, situation when you go to short a stock. But the long story short is that you actually make money when a stock goes down through, a sh- through shorting right. a stock. And so, therefore, if Donald Trump can manipulate the stock market, and we've seen him do it time after time, and, and so, therefore, it's no mystery to him that when he says something about, oh, now I'm going to impose tariffs on Mexico, or I'm going to do this thing to Mexico or China or whoever, that the stock market goes down, he knows that it's going to happen that way. He knows what the consequences are of these statements. And so why not try to make a buck off of those things? He's trying to make a buck off of everything else. So it makes sense. So how do you how do you legally acquire that information? What do you do in terms of, I mean, can they subpoena Donald Trump's stock purchases? Can they subpoena... I guess what I don't know if Mazars does uh, his uh, handles his stocks. I would imagine he's got financial I advisors. Know. I don't know. Separate. I would think. Yeah, that's just. I believe just an accounting firm. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I would suspect he's not has a broker, right? Yeah. Financial advisors. Yeah. Well, I mean, so, there's got to yeah, be a broker and, and, out there who does who handles Donald Trump's stocks. If it's not Don Jr. and Eric, who handle right. his stocks. I mean, and it's entirely possible they're doing it. It's entirely possible that Donald Trump himself isn't doing it and the the Trump boys are doing it on oh, his yeah, behalf. Absolutely. I mean, well, this is a president who wanted to control the Fed the yeah. way Xi Jinping controls China's Fed. <laughs> uh, he, he, would, he would like to, to be able to control the money that way. So, uh, no, this uh, doesn't surprise anybody when you see how he's uh, violated the emoluments clause. He's absolutely used this job to uh, enrich himself and his family. 
And uh, so uh, none of this would be surprising. I, of course, I think you can subpoena anything. Yeah. Uh, whether whether it, it's a successful subpoena uh, has to be determined in court. So maybe we can get them and maybe we can. Somebody will have to go after that. But gosh, we've got a lot of things to investigate. Yeah, that was going to be my next point, which is that once again, we see the fire hose of news working to Trump's benefit where there are yeah. so many things Again, you know, whether Donald Trump is shorting the stock market, my God, would have to be item number 10,842 on the list of horrible things that Donald Trump does. And right. we may never even get that far. And right. that is a, prioritize. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I and, know. Yeah. And, and that is a serious problem because, you know, good God, again, it sends the message that, well, if you're a criminal president, make sure you're like a big time criminal president because the yeah, more crimes, deep. yeah, exactly, go deep, yeah. go deep, yeah. because we're never going to be able to catch everything. And right. if you're only caught on a couple of things, why there's dozens of other shit that you're never going to be called on. And so, to it's me, a, it's a it's a crime spree. Yeah, that's <laughs> exactly what it is. And again, there are crimes that we're going to hear about long after Trump is dead. Uh, yeah. you know, yeah. years. From now, we're going to be reading about things that he did that he was responsible for that he will he was never held accountable for. Um, well, hey, listen, if we if we get him on the principle of uh, preserving democracy uh, as he uh, attacks and uh, erodes our various institutions within yep. and without a government, uh, you know, if we get him on on just that, if we get him on just the cruelty, the uh, abject cruelty yeah. to immigrants uh, that he's perpetrated and to citizens of this country and to veterans in some cases. Uh, if we get to that, uh, then I think we'll co- we will have covered the most important yeah. things. Uh, other things are important too, but uh, I, nothing seems quite as important to me as those two things. I guess we're just going to have to be satisfied, Buzz, with uh, knowing about the things after the fact. Because like with Al Capone, you know, they got famously the untouchables got Al Capone on tax evasion. But we all know that there were dozens of other crimes that Al Capone was responsible for. And I think that suffices, even though he didn't go to Alcatraz for committing God knows how many murders and racketeering and all the rest of it, that he only went uh, to prison because of tax evasion. That doesn't explain the whole scenario of what Al, Al Capone is yeah. ultimately responsible for. And I think the same is going to be the case for Donald right. Trump. I mean, now that I yeah. really think about it, you know, he doesn't have to be convicted on 10,000 different crimes in order for right. us to hold him responsible for those crimes or for but, his, but history you're, you're, to recognize right. them. Yeah. yeah, you're right, though. It'll be hard for history to record and explain or for us to explain uh, everything yeah. that occurred in in the Trump era, they're, they're going to joke about us like uh, there, there was a really a good joke about uh, Vietnam War veterans, and uh, the, uh, the joke was to the effect that uh, you know uh, how many Vietnam veterans does it take to to screw in a light bulb, and the answer is y- you don't know, man. You weren't there, <laughs> and and I and be laughing we, at that so we we will we will be able to say the same thing uh yeah. because no one can know what this was like now obviously a very different uh, not not as directly a life and death situation yeah. but in both cases fighting for our country i think yeah. it can be argued uh, uh and 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 we will be able to say uh with with no uh, you know insult to anyone i hope that We'll be able to say uh, you can't know what it was like unless you were there. That's how deep this iceberg goes. Yeah. Well, let's take a uh, a last break here, and I want to come back. Uh, apparently, Donald Trump's been lying uh, or asking his aides to lie about his internal polling. Shocking. Donald yes. Trump's lying again and telling his people that they also have to lie. This is or or as we call it, Tuesday. <laughs> back with more show right after this. <laughs> You can't always get a clean you can feel good about inside and out unless you're using Bubble Genius Bath and Body Products. See, Bubble Genius is a woman-owned small business proudly creating our vegan-friendly products in America and supporting other U.S. businesses by buying our ingredients and supplies from them as often as possible. Plus, you'll be hard-pressed to find packaging as recyclable as ours. Visit BubbleGenius.com and check out our cause-related items too, like our global warming soap and a lot more. We donate our proceeds for those items to worthy causes, like organizations combating climate change and mountaintop removal mining. Good stuff like that. 
We also send our products to the troops overseas through our Buy a Soldier a Shower campaign. Because the least we can do is keep them smiling and smelling great, right? So visit BubbleGenius.com and feel good and clean. Bubble Genius, doing our part to make the world a better place, one bathtub at a time. That's BubbleGenius.com. Bob Seska. This is uh, Gaithersburg's own Carousel. It's Carousel with a K, featuring someone that we both know and are good yes. friends with. Uh, this is yes. uh, the lead singer on this uh, in this band, uh, Carousel, is uh, Maya Nicole. She is Mark Ronick's super talented daughter. Uh, no kidding. She, she is the the singer of this band. Mark Ronick, of course, is from the Mark and Lowell Show on the uh, on the Realm Network, RealmNetwork.com. You know, Carousel just won first prize in the Montgomery County uh, Montgomery County's Got Talent competition. Crank so, it up here. There we go. Now, listen to that. Yeah. This is a very young woman. I, I, this, this, when she was a little girl, she sat on my knee and I read her the night before Christmas. Oh my God. And, and, and I remember uh, shortly after that, her dad asked her, or she told her dad what she wanted to be when she grew up. She said, I want to, I want to, I want to be the female Beatles. No. Well, yeah, she's well and on her way now. This is a, this was as a little kid and uh, listen to her belting out the songs now. It's just amazing. Yeah. There's a guitar solo right here. Um, Great band, yeah. Carousel yeah. with a K. Outstanding. And that's a big deal. A big deal to win the MoCo, the Montgomery County uh, uh, Has Got Talent uh, contest because uh, that is a huge uh, talent with a, uh, a huge county, rather. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people in uh, the D.C. suburbs and uh, a lot of... Uh, a lot of there's a lot of well-educated and and talented people and sometimes wealthy people oh, yeah. who, who live in that county and uh, so it's a county that produces a lot of uh, talent. Uh, Maya really stands out here. Yeah, yeah, and there's an extraordinary number of uh, unsigned indie bands in this area. I mean, the, the Washington D.C. music yeah. scene is gigantic, yeah. and for them to has been. be singled yeah. out as being uh, uh, the, the most talented in, in Montgomery County is a huge accolade. And uh, I, I want to emphasize here. I mean, Maya is 16 years old. There are yeah. members of Carousel who are. There are members of the band who are. 15 and 14 years old. My God, when I was when I was 14 years well, old, I don't want to tell you what I was busily occupying myself with, but it wasn't yeah, being no, this damn good at we, music. We we were deadbeats at this point. But <laughs> that's but, a nice way to put it. Let me just let me just say this to Carousel: yeah. you, you kids hang in there. You'll get good. Yeah, that's <laughs> keep keep practicing. Can you imagine? I can't imagine how how are they going to get better? They, they're know. already. I I want that album. That's, yeah, that's amazing. Uh, I'm that's just amazing. Well, so that's congratulations uh, to uh, to Maya and to Carousel and to Maya's dad, uh, Mark Ronick. Absolutely. Uh, by and, the way, the song is called and, "People Change," and we've got uh-huh. links in the description at bobseska.com, also at bobseskashow.com, our Patreon page. So. Make sure to support Carousel and all of our great indie bands here. And if you want to submit, bobseska.com slash music. And, and, and she'll be, and all the other music will be on your monthly uh, countdown, indie countdown show. That's right. At the end at of the, the month. End of the I, month. I, just, yes. I just, that's right, Buzz. It certainly will. <laughs> but wait, there's more. <laughs> all right. I don't know why I went there. I got some breaking news for you. You're going to like. Oh, yeah. Let's have it. I got to hear some breaking news. It begins with the words Donald Trump Jr., is is returning to the Senate Intelligence Committee for a closed door interview. He would initially he had initially balked at testifying for a second time. Oh so him, wow! Yeah. Wow. So it's it's closed door. Yeah. It's the Repo- Republican controlled Senate. Uh, but uh, this is progress, I think, in terms of him him testifying, and uh, frankly, in my mind, such a precedent for him 
for testifying for the other House of Congress. Yes. Uh, yeah. I hope, you know what, I hope they yeah. grill the hell out of them. I was hoping for uh, public <laughs> hearings, of course, but, you know, I'll take of course. closed door well, hearings. No, we, I'll take closed door hearings, public floggings. Well, that's how we'll do it. <laughs> That's right. And b- by the way, I fully recognize yeah. the fact that when I've been saying wow lately on the show, I've been sounding uh-huh. like Owen Wilson for some reason. I don't know <laughs> why, but I, I you know, no, you re- not nasal re- enough. Not yeah, nasal. Wow. Yeah, but you said you said you're the breaking news about Don Jr. And I immediately went, <laughs> oh, wow, oh. yeah, wow. The, the, the incredulity. Yes. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, but it wasn't intentional. I'm not doing that intentionally. No, just for some that reason. was a genuine genuine response yeah wow, no, man. wow I, yeah we're all i think we all felt the same way. <laughs> okay uh so what the hell were we going to talk about here um oh yeah trump lied um or is asking his aides to lie see i'm, I'm conflating yes. the lie about mexico where he well, lied about so the many. deal with mexico do you, by the way did you see him he was headed out uh to marine <laughs> one like he always does stop by uh-huh. the press gaggle and yeah. they kept asking him what what's in this deal what are the what Secret are the details deal, of the deal? Yeah. he's secret yeah and he and he pulls out a piece of paper it's all right here on the paper it's all right here and they're like well what's in it and they're actually yelling at the president he goes not gonna tell you it's all right here on this one piece of paper yes it's actually a dry cleaning receipt (laughs) probably my god but you know obviously this guy lied about uh the deal and you know set it up to be yeah. as if it was well, something that that he had just finalized and we find out yeah. from the New York Times that the that Mexico agreed to this 2 months earlier and so Donald Trump was merely doing this for politics and a distraction and all the usual bullshit reasons he does it and then well but the fun didn't stop there you know he said well there's when he when he was exposed when it was pointed out yeah. that the emperor had no clothes uh, that that really pissed him off and so he declared that there had been also a secret deal that hadn't been uh, revealed yet. That's right, like secret secret deal, and and then of course uh, Mexico's foreign minister had to say no, no, there was no, no secret deal no. here. Yeah, and, you know he even went farther than that, Buzz. He actually tweeted in all caps the other day: Mexico has agreed to immediately begin buying large quantities of agricultural product from our great patriot farmers. It was in all all me, caps, so that's why I'm yelling. Let me, that requires that requires interpretation. Let me tell you what he actually meant. I do okay. it for Biden. I'll do it for Trump. <laughs> what he's actually saying is, Mexico, please buy more of our crops. Yeah, that, that, yeah. It, it, really, that's it. Uh, Mexico, please buy more food from us. That, what, that's basically what he was saying. Well, what we found out the same damn day that he issued this stupid, uh-huh. stupid all caps tweet is uh-huh. uh, from Bloomberg. So this is not some fake news or anything like that. Uh, three Mexican officials said Saturday they were not aware of any side accord in the works and that right, agricultural right. trade hasn't been discussed during three days of negotiations in Washington uh-huh. that culminated in a joint commun- communique late on Friday. Uh-huh. So, um, yeah, I love I always love the Mr. Burns use of the word communique <laughs> in a news article. Excellent. Excellent. Communique. Oh, look, a communique. <laughs> All right. Uh, Mexico's ambassador to the U.S. predicted uh, on Sunday that trade and agricultural goods could increase dramatically now the tariffs aren't going ahead. And if the USMCA, the trilateral trade pact with the U.S., Mexico and Canada designated to replace NAFTA is ratified, but didn't cite a specific deal with Washington on farm purchases. So when Trump says Mexico has agreed to immediately begin buying large quantities of agricultural product, he's lying, of course, like always. Which is oh, not sure. not news anymore, I guess. No. <laughs> but I feel no. like if we don't call it out, then we're just Tuesday. normalizing them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even the farm and the farmers know he's lying too. Yeah. I Meanwhile, uh, the New York Times reported today that Trump's been asking his aides to lie about internal polling. Uh, Trump told aides uh, to deny that his internal mm-hmm. polling showed him trailing Joe Biden in many of the states he needs to win, even though he is also trailing in public polls from key states like Texas, Michigan and Pennsylvania. And when top line detail, by the way, it's still way too early to be able to take those polls seriously. I know we were talking about that earlier and I was right. like, well, it's it's enti- it it's enticing and it is enticing. But, you know, what <laughs> what we see now in polling is going to change dramatically 
drastically a year and a half now when when we actually need those polls to turn into votes. So just cautioning you about this. Uh, New York Times continues by saying, and when top line details of the polling leaked, including numbers showing the president lagging in a cluster of critical Rust Belt states, Mr. Trump instructed aides to say publicly that other data showed him doing well. In recent overarching state of the race briefings in uh, in Florida, Brad Parscale, his campaign manager, uh, Mr. Trump was consistently distracted and wanted to discuss other things, according to people familiar with the meeting. When it came to the campaign, his main focus was on his own approval numbers. Mr. Trump has griped about traveling too much, but then lashed out at aides demanding to know, why am I not doing more rallies? Well, because you just complained about traveling too much, Biff. He insists he's got on two ha- big ones. Yeah. yeah, he's got two big ones coming up. Yeah, is he going? Is there going to be one today? Is that where he's going today? Uh, it's uh, a week from uh, oh. a week from tomorrow. It's next next Wednesday in Orlando uh, because uh, Orlando's on the fence about uh, Trump and and not in a in a good way for him. Uh, here, here it is. Here are the numbers Trump wants to suppress okay. or distract from. Gotcha. Disapproval ratings. These are disapproval ratings in the key battleground states. Uh, his disapproval ratings are way over 50% in New Hampshire, Wisconsin, Michigan, and Iowa. Listen to that. The battleground states, of, and he's like, it's like 58%, 56%. He's way over 50% in New Hampshire, Wisconsin, Michigan, and Iowa. His uh, disapproval is 52% in Pennsylvania. Wow. It's 51% wow. in Arizona. Yeah, I know, right? Wow. Uh, and and 50 in Ohio and North Carolina, and it's nearly to 50. It's like 48, 49% in Florida, yeah. a disapproval rating. Nearly half the state, almost uh, uh, even half the state of Florida uh, is anti-Trump at this point, uh, disapproves of Trump. Oh. And so uh, he's in serious trouble in the key battleground states. It's no wonder he wants uh, his aides to distract from those numbers and point out other other polls. Uh, a little bit of a factoid here buried in this New York Times piece. Apparently, Trump yes. is insisting on having final approval. Talk about a micromanager here. He insists on having guess. final approval over the songs on his campaign playlist, as well as the campaign uh-huh. merchandise. But sure. he has never asked to see a budget for 2019. No, so. no, he can't be bothered. It can't be bothered with those details, yeah. but music. Nobody knows music better than Donald Trump. Uh, he, that's not the only thing he's micromanaging. The 4th of July celebration, this outrageous thing. Yeah. Uh, he's micromanaging that. Again, not the cost. Oh, heaven forbid. No, he. but he's more concerned about the theatrics of uh, what will be after he announces in Orlando next week and then coming up on July 4th, his next big campaign rally uh, at the West uh, Potomac Park. In, in Washington, D.C. for yeah. the 4th of July, uh, and he's using that for, for politics for the first time ever. Well, you know, Rachel played a uh, really interesting uh, bunch of video clips the other day in which she was uh, underscoring the fact that the last time someone tried to co-op the 4th of July, it didn't turn out very well for, in that case, Nixon, Well, uh, yeah. where there were mass protests and there were some... Uh, yeah, some it's dis- going to happen again. Yeah. We're going to have protests again. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and you know, again, it's in that particular instance with uh, Richard Nixon... The protests turned ugly. They, they turned mm-hmm. destructive. And mm-hmm. if if that happens this time around, well, no one wants to see anyone get injured. But well, uh, again, thank this goodness is- no one thank thank goodness no one drinks on the fourth. <laughs> yeah, there's that. So, well, mm-hmm. I guess there's no reason to worry. Uh, but uh, seriously, <laughs> I, you know, I, I get the feeling that there's the same thing is going to happen this time around, yep. and it's going to be madness. I'm and, so, yeah, and just you don't do this shit. You de- you don't do this. Please don't he invited. do it. He's and he's inviting it. Why are you doing this? Don't do this, as uh, Larry King once said to me. Um, yeah, so it, it makes no sense, but of course he's doing it anyway, and he's going to create all kinds of trouble that we didn't need uh, in the midst of all kinds of other trouble. All right, uh, lots still to get to. Uh, Buzz, you're going to be uh, thrilled to hear this news. What's that? I got into another fight with Dan Bongino on Twitter over the weekend. I saw briefly, I looked away. <laughs> I will recap some of that on the postmortem show coming up here in a second, uh, only because of the immense dumbness that I encountered. So we'll talk about that here in a few minutes uh, on our Patreon page. Uh, meanwhile, we talked about this in the context of Pfizer uh, last week, where Pfizer may have devised a, a cure for Alzheimer's. Well, 
there might right. be another cure, another possible cure for Alzheimer's coming from the University of New Mexico. So we'll have that, too. All coming up on the Postmortem Show on our Patreon page, BobSuskaShow.com. Meanwhile, the best newscast of the week is Buzz Burbank News and Comment. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes or follow on BuzzBurbank.com or RealmNetwork.com. Also, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, see you on the the Postmortem Show, folks. Bye-bye. 